Good morning, Springwell. Let's stand in this time of worship together. Thank you. 
sing this with me. God of God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are Has anybody heard a song that sounds familiar to you this morning? Anybody? Yeah? Uh, music has the power to take us back to places and to moments in time. And this morning, uh, my hope is that you'll hear a song that'll take you back to a place in your life where this morning you will be reminded of God's faithfulness in your life. Uh, this morning, we're starting a new series called Timeless. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna be reaching back to some of those early worship songs. Um, worship itself is timeless. Songs change, um, the style of music changes, but we are created to be worshipers. We are created to worship God. Uh, the God that we serve is a timeless God, meaning that God never changes. God has been faithful from the beginning, God is faithful today, and God will continue to be faithful. Uh, so this morning, um, I just hope that you'll find encouragement in these songs and, and that you will just remember uh, that God is faithful in, in your life. So let's continue to sing to that God this morning. Draw me close to you Never let me go I lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend 
You are my desire No one else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace me find the way bring me back to you sing you're all I want you're all I want you're all I've ever needed you're Let me go. Never let me go. Lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. You are my desire. else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Help me find a way Bring me back to you
thank you for that name and we thank you that there is no rival to you you have no equal you are above everything and God even though you are the king of kings and lord of lords and above it all you still care about me as an individual you love each and every one of us we thank you so much for that and God we just look forward to what you're going to do here in this place this morning in Christ's name amen you can be seated. 
You guys feeling good today? Yeah. So this past week was Candy Dash. A lot of you were there. You were a part of it. You got to see it. It was awesome, right? It was huge. It was so good. Um, for those of you who may not have been there, uh, even if you were there, we want to show you a recap video that we were able to capture of the event. So check this out. How many of you were able to be a part of Candy Dash? Yeah, y'all make, come on, come on, make some noise. Did you have fun? So I know, I know the number, I know, I know, I know you want to, you want to know a number, okay? And these are um, very educated guesstimates, okay? Um, uh, over uh, 2,000 children came through the line, over 6,000 people total, and it was also the biggest single day event Springwell has ever been a part of. And of course, of course, you want to know, did we use all the candy? No, we had a small box of Tootsie Rolls left over. So if you would like some Tootsie Rolls, you see me and we'll get you some, okay? Uh, but thank you so much for all of those that participated in this. Um, there's, some, there's some really cool stories that are still coming out about uh, who, were, who was there that night. But I just want to read a couple of things off of our Facebook page um, that... Springwell had shared that uh, they were thankful for everyone that came. And just a few of the comments. Um, someone said, thanks so much for doing this, for the handwritten notes in the bags and all the treats. It was obvious this was important to you all, and you did a great job. Thanks very much. 
Another one said, we love this. Our three kiddos had a lot of fun and are enjoying digging through their buckets of candy to see what all they got. Really enjoyed how well thought out it was and everyone passing out candy was personable and friendly. We also received a, a note uh, in the registration bucket that simply said, single mom, thank you for doing this. It's been a long year. My kids are happy. And so that is why we collect candy for what feels like six months. That's why, that's why we continue to, to ask for candy. That's why we needed 100 volunteers in treat stops. By the way, over 120 volunteers put it on. But it's also that broken people... It's also that broken people, and all of us are broken in some way, can come, and they may never darken the doors of this church on a Sunday morning. And that's fine, but they know that there is something generous about those people. There's something different that they would do this with nothing in it for them. They don't even ask me to come back, nothing. But those people know that there is a generous and loving God, and we did it through giving out some candy. And so that's why we do that. So thank you so much for those of you that helped with that. You had a large part in it, whether you helped sign, sign up to pass out candy in a line or whether you ran candy and almost screamed because they kept needing candy or maybe, maybe, um, maybe you just prayed for them. Maybe you gave money for candy. Maybe you gave candy, whatever it might be. Thank you for what you did um, and what you do because people are seeing the love of Jesus, not just by someone yelling it through a megaphone, but for someone feeling it because you guys are showing it. And so as we enter into this time of giving, I don't probably don't have to say another word, but I was thinking about speaking of kids. Um, how many of you remember your first bicycle? Anybody? I'm kind of going through that right now as a parent. Um, maybe it had baseball cards in the spokes. Anybody? Which I don't know what happened to both baseball cards. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that that's what's wrong with America. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they're, like, they had baseball cards in the spokes. They probably had some streamers coming from the handlebars, maybe. Um, well, but for, for most of us, unless you just had a really tough person teaching you to ride a bike, they gave you tra training wheels, right? For some of you, it was like, whoo, go down a hill, right? <laughs> Sink or swim, pedal or fall. But for most of us, we had, we had training wheels. And so I was, I was thinking about that. And uh, when it comes to when it comes to giving, and there's a there's a passage that we usually talk about when it comes to when it comes to tithing from Malachi. Malachi three ten says this: It says, "Bring the whole tithe. Tithe is, is a tenth into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it." So in the Old Testament, we get the training wheels of generosity. Give a tenth, give a tithe, bring your tithe into the storehouse, bring all of it into the place where you get your food. But then Jesus comes, and some people think the tithing's an Old Testament principle, but Jesus comes and he says, no, there's, there's more to it than that, actually. I want you to give beyond that because this isn't about checking a box, but this is about generosity. And so my, my thought for us this morning is, are you still in the training wheels of generosity? When you think about giving, are you still just living in the training world? I'm going to give what I can give when I can give it, or is it a priority? Are you being generous? For, for those of you that are part of Springwell, there's a card in your seat. You might have sat on it. Um, you might have taken it out and put it on the floor. But what that card does is it gives you four ways that you can give here at Springwell, four ways that you can be generous with your money. 
Um, you can give online. You can give at the kiosk. You can give by texting the number on the screen. You can set up automated giving um, so that you can automate what, what's most important to you. Or for some of you, you still like the old-fashioned way. You want to get out your checkbook, and that's cool, too, and we'll do it just in just a minute. If you are a guest with us this morning, do not feel obligated to give. That is not what this is about. If you came here and maybe you came to Candy Dash, don't give, a, don't give anything. That's not why we did that, and that's certainly not why we're saying this. But if you're a regular tender of Springwell, my question is, are you still... Are you still, do you still have the training wheels on? Are you being generous? And that's going to look different for, for every one of us, and I don't know what your situation is, but are you being, are you being generous? Let me pray, and then we're going to take up of our offering. God, thank you for a church that gets it, that does get this generosity thing. And Lord, I can't help but, but think about the lady who, who showed up Wednesday night and it's had a tough year, single parent, who just for a little bit of time watched the joy on her kids' faces as they walked through a line to get some candy. And God, I can't help but pray and ask and think that you're going to use that, that seed, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect that family because they saw your love, because they saw your generosity through us. And God, that's, that's why we give. We come right now, God, not giving out of a place of I have to, but giving out of a place of I want to because I want to see what you can do with it. I want to see how you can multiply what little bit I give you and how you can combine all of our resources and do it to affect 6,000 people in two hours. God, that's why we give. We give because of that, and we give because we trust you. We believe you, and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're on the left side of the road this morning and you like to give the old-fashioned way, there's a bucket under your seat. If you could take that and pass it to the right. Thank you all so much for being here. So is it okay if we play one more song this morning? Is that cool? Awesome, because we actually had one more planned, so that actually goes perfectly. That, that's okay. Uh, before we get uh, to the song, um, two quick things. One, uh, this is Kevin. Uh, a lot of you know Kevin. If you don't know Kevin, this is Kevin. Um, just in, in light of us doing a, a throwback worship series uh, this month, um, I, I just really appreciate Kevin. We were actually talking on Thursday, and Kevin has been a part of Springwell Church since literally the Sunday after the first meeting of the church. And Kevin has been serving on the worship team for a long time now. He's, he's seen a lot of different leaders um, come through the worship team, and and I, I just personally really appreciate you serving and, 
and serving the team and the church and what you do. You're welcome. The second thing that, that I want to share uh, about the song uh, that we're going to be singing is this song holds a special memory for me. I'm 26 years old now. Um, about 13 years ago, I would have been about 13 years old, which would have been the moment in time that I actually played the guitar live on stage in front of a live audience for the first time in my life. And I remember it because it was very scary to get on stage. Um, I had never done it before. Um, I actually wasn't even singing at the time. I just only knew how to play some chords on the guitar. And uh, this was the first song that I played. And uh, I love the message of the song. Um, I think that sometimes we can get lost when it comes to our worship. We can get lost in... Um, worship being about the style of the music or the style of the song and, and sometimes I think we can forget that worship is actually nothing to do with the song or the music but it's about the one that the song is talking about um, and worship itself is is so simple it's we make it complicated sometimes but it's so simple uh, worship is just that moment where we can just sit in the presence of God we can just focus on God and we can remember his faithfulness, we can remember how good he is, we can remember how big he is, uh, that he is the creator of all things, that because of him, all things sustain and they exist today. Um, and I think that it's in those moments that our circumstances that feel like mountains in our lives, in those moments when we remember who God is, those mountains don't seem so big anymore, but they don't seem to have quite so much power over our lives. Um, so I love this song. Uh, I'm grateful for this song. I'm grateful for the message of the song and of the reminder this morning of the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you All about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you All is swept away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart 
bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart Would you stand and sing this? I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm coming back to the heart of worship When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Thank you so much for reminding us that we do need those times just to stop and worship you. Put everything else aside, out of our minds, and focus on you. I know there's other ways to worship, and we do that throughout the day as we go about our jobs and the things we do. But God, it's a sweet time when you can just stop and think about nothing else the love that you have for us and we can just lift it back up to you the best we know how in our earthly form God and just praise you and worship you come on and sing that again with me I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you. Come on, sing it out. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Let me hear you sing it. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Amen God, we thank you so much for this time God, be the Scott as he brings a message Just let it speak to our hearts 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, music is powerful, isn't it? Um, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, um, worship music and certain songs uh, are huge. In fact, they're, they're really like spiritual markers for a lot of us. And you know, if I'm telling the truth, and it's a spiritual marker, but it's a spiritual marker because usually it's birthed out of a great pain. And so there's a song that you connect with, whatever that song might be, and, and you just connect with the song. And, and if I'm just gut level honest, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't have anything to do with the tune, it doesn't have anything to do with whether it's new or old, it just has to do with that, that feeling. And the, and the feeling is that God met me where I was in that, in that pain. I remember when Karen and I first got married. It was a sad, it wasn't a sad day, it was a great day. Thank you, baby, you helped me. Snap me out of that. I remember one of the things that we would do is we'd lay in the bed at night and we'd sing. We used to sing jingles too, we'd Gilligan's Island and all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't the spiritual time that we but we would we would also we would love to sing what we called the blood songs. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why? Because the song, I resonated with the, with the song, the message, the power of the song. And then we started doing church, and then we changed a lot of things, and we started bringing in guitars. And I remember the first time at a traditional church that I was pastoring at the time, we brought in a guitar. I thought they were going to fire me. I said, man, if you just knew what I was thinking, <laughs> you know. And so, and so we, God called me to do this, and so we just evolved over the years. And uh, we started off with a few guitars and drums, and then it was bass and all those things that were added. <clears throat> and then there, there came a, a push <clears throat> by people that studied church that were church professionals, <clears throat> that were church experts, and they said that, you know, it's about bigger, better, louder music. And, and they, they had studied church. They'd done a really good job of studying church. And they said that's what unchurched people like. They, they want to come in and it's got to be big band, big sound. And it's got to be bigger and louder and more over-the-top kinds of music. And that disappointed a lot of us. Not that we didn't enjoy some of the music that we were doing. It was the reason behind. And so when, when this song came out, it was, it was written by a worship leader and and his church, his, their pastor said, no more, no more music. And so they literally did no music for, I think it was something like six months. I mean, literally, no music at all. No musical instruments were, were played. And then finally, one Sunday, they said, okay. The pastor said, okay, it's, it's time. And this was the song that the worship leader had written. And so for us, there was a group of us that that song so resonated with because that's what we, that was our heart's desire. It was never to be the big show. It was never, it, it was never to be bigger and louder. It, that, wasn't, that wasn't the point behind any of it. The point behind it was to draw people that didn't know hymns. It was, to, it was to reach a heart. It was to reach a heart with a message. The point was the message. And somehow they got lost. The, the problem 
with us church people. The, the temptation is to think that our style of worship, because we connect with that song, and, and that song happens to be a part of a certain style of a, of a particular era. And so sometimes our temptation is to think, well, these young people today, come on, y'all, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you probably this morning as we were singing some of these songs, some of you are brand new to church. That didn't mean anything to you. You know, you thought, well, that's kind of like, it's a lot slower than Springwell typically is, right? Some of you said, that's right, we should be doing these songs every Sunday. Come on, I know you. And so the temptation is to think that our style is right, which means that everybody else is wrong. There's that temptation. Well, that's just not true. Listen carefully. I'm, I'm going to hit you pretty hard. Thank you. God bless you, my son. <clears throat> Take a break. <clears throat> I think I'm going to make a kind of a radical statement for some of you. I want to say this. Style doesn't matter. Some of you, you know, if you were raised in church, you're already going, oh, that's not true. I can't believe you said that. Style does not matter. Let me say it again. Style doesn't matter. The object of our worship is what matters. It's the object of our worship that matters. You are a worshiper. You're a worshiper, and it doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. All day long, every day, do not be misled. You are a worshiper. Whether you follow Jesus or not doesn't matter. It's what you do. It's who you are. Somebody's thinking, that's not true. You have to be a Christian to be a true worshiper. And that is not true. <clears throat> if for whatever reason you choose not to worship God, you are still worshiping something or someone. Now let me give you a verse of Scripture because some of you need one right now, don't you? You're, I can tell you're kind of, you raised up off your seat just a little. This is kind of difficult for some of you to kind of digest. So let me give you a verse of Scripture. It's out of Romans 1. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped. I, I looked up this word. I looked up this Greek word. It means to fear. It means to, to have reverence for. That's what it means. That's what the word worship means. They exchanged the truth about God and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. See, I told you, it doesn't really matter whether you're a, a follower of Jesus, whether you are a, a Christian or not. We were all created to worship. Now, those of us that show up at church on Sunday morning, we puff up with pride and we say, we worship God, right? We puff up and we say, that's right, man. We, I'm here to worship. And so we're offended sometimes if our style, if, they're, if the style at the church is not our particular style of music, if something changed and they're trying something new at church, then we're offended because we're here to worship God. Others who rarely go to church at all, would say, well, worship's not a part of my life at all. It's not, it's not a part of my life, because i got to be honest with you, man. I'm, I don't have a religious bone in my body. And I would say that actually both can be wrong. Let me say this. Just because you show up at church every Sunday and raise your hands during worship, just because you know some of the songs and because you sing them, what you believe is from the depths of your heart, does not necessarily mean that you're worshiping God at all. 
maybe you're worshiping a style more than you're worshiping God and you don't even realize it. Maybe you're stuck to a tradition and your tradition is more important to you than the God you really claim to worship. Maybe you think you're worshiping God, but the only time when you would really say that you're worshiping is on Sunday morning. Well, I guess I would be offended too if the only time I ever really worshiped God was on Sunday, just that one hour on Sunday. And if they didn't do my music and play my song, I would be offended too because it's the only time you worship. Just because you aren't religious doesn't mean that you don't worship because we're all worshiping something. It's, it's in us. There's that magnetic draw toward God. We have to do it. It's inside of us. It doesn't really matter what that thing is. It's a part of who we are. So how do you know what you worship? How do you really know? So like for you this morning, if you're that follower of Jesus and you believe that God is at the center of your worship, how do you really know if he is? Well, everybody has an altar. And every altar has a throne. And if you want to know what or who you worship, then you just follow the trail of your time, of your affection, of your energy, of your money, and your loyalty. When you come to the end of the trail of your time, and your, and your affection, and your money, and your devotion, and your loyalty. When you get to the end, whatever or whoever is sitting on that throne, that's what you worship. Maybe it's God, maybe it's not. There was a time in my life when I worshipped my body. Why are some of you smiling? I can prove it. There was a time when, when I worshipped my body because I, I, I used to go to the gym constantly. I mean, it was hours. My workouts were, were a couple of hours long each. And I remember when I graduated high school, I, I weighed about 145 pounds. I did. I really, I really, really did. And I was kind of wiry, and, and I would fight a rip saw, but I had to try to prove something. So that was why I was, I was willing to fight anybody any day. You know, I wanted to prove that I'm a man. So I decided, man, this is, this is tough. So I thought, I'm just going to go to the gym, and I'm going I'm to be the biggest, strongest person in the gym. And in the beginning, I was very weak, and, and, and maybe people made fun of me. But eventually, I kind of worked my way. I, I spent a lot of money on vitamins. And by vitamins, I mostly mean steroids. Are you all looking at me like that? I ain't always been a preacher. Let me just say, but here's the thing. Here's what I found out about being in the gym. It was my insecurities that drove me. And the thing that I found out, there would be some days, no kidding, there would be some days when, when nobody in the gym was stronger than me. But the bad thing about it is I couldn't go back the next day with the guarantee of that, is that some young buck was bigger and stronger, had more time to give, more money to spend on steroids. I don't know, but it was tough to chase. And you know what the reality is? Is that your thing might not have been going to the gym, but maybe it's been successful. See, it doesn't really matter what that thing might be. If you would have come to the end of my time and my affection and my energy and my money, I would have been sitting on the throne. 
And for some of you, it may not be in the gym. But it's been somewhere else. And when you look at your time, how much time do you spend in worship during the week? Come on. Where are all your resources going? Hello. This would be a great time to preach on tithing, wouldn't it? You can relax. But the reality is, whatever you place the highest value on is what's on the throne. So we're all worshipers. A quick glance at history tells me that we've always been searching for something. Because we, it's right, it's in us. We can't help it. It's, it's how God created me. It's how he wired me. It's who I am. It's what I do. And so if you'll just look at history, you'll find that we've all been, always been searching for something worthy of our worship. In the New Testament book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, he's uh, entering into this, what is known as the most intellectual hub in the world. It's the city of Athens. And so he... Paul's a smart guy. Depends on who you read behind that he probably spoke 10, 12, 13 different languages. He had gone to every major university. Paul was an intellectual of intellectuals. And so he goes to this intellectual hub and he goes to share the story of Jesus. And the story of Jesus that, that, God, that this was God in the flesh and that God loved us so much that he sent his son, that his son loved us so much that he would be willing to go to the cross and on the cross shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. And on the third day that he's raised from the dead, that was his story. So when Paul gets there, here's what it says. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Hmm. So right smack dab in the middle of the intellectual center of the known world, Paul found Athens to be a, a city full of idols. There were tons of things to worship. It, it's like a worship buffet. I thought that would, for the overeaters, I thought that would resonate with you. You know what I'm talking about? It was a buffet. And, and so it was just walk, you know, literally just, just travel throughout the city, one street to another, and there would be another God. And if you don't like that one, then there would be a, another God on another street. Just pick and choose the one you like. And just in case the people of Athens may have missed one, Paul says this, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your object, objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. Wow, these really are smart people. They're incredibly bright people. Man, I give them props. These are the most intellectual people in the known world, and these were people that recognized that something is worthy of their worship. And so here's what they said. Just in case maybe we miss one, which means that they thought they weren't convinced that the God that they were worshiping was actually enough. There was a doubt in their mind. They, they couldn't connect the dots. There was still something missing inside. They really were pretty smart people. And so, just in case, they said, we're just going to, you know, come up with an idol to an unknown God. We don't want to miss anything. So he didn't find a lack of worship in Athens. It was just uncertainty. Man, could it be that's where some of you are at this morning? Hello. Is it just uncertainty? 
It's not that you're not worshiping, you're worshiping. And maybe, maybe for some of you followers of Jesus, you were sure that it was God, but I've messed with you a little bit, and you're going, wait, wait a minute. If I looked at my time, really, if I looked at my time, how much the time have I really devoted to God? How much effort, how much affection really goes to God? And maybe what some of you are coming to the realization this morning is, actually there's something else sitting on the throne. I don't guess anything's really changed over all these years, then has it? We're still searching, looking for something of value, someone worthy of our worship. The thing that for many of us, and this, this is okay for me, you know, people have all kinds of questions about the unchurched. The unchurched feel this way, the unchurched that way, and, the, and they're so derogatory. And I go, man, they're searching. They're just looking. They've made some wrong choices, but at least they're in the hunt. You just don't know that you were created to worship God. Colossians 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, and watch this, and for him. That's why, that's why you were put on planet earth. You were created by God and through God for one purpose, to exist for God. And you know what's crazy? What's crazy is that God created the heavens and the earth. He breathed life into us. And you know what's crazy? God comes looking for us. We say that we're seekers. Are we really seeking God? We wouldn't even have a desire if God had not sought us out first. I love Genesis 3. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden walking in the cool of the day. Who comes looking for who? Were they looking for God? No. God comes looking for them. Romans Spells it out pretty clear. There, there are none of us that are righteous. No, not one. It's not us. It's not our goodness. It's God seeking us out. That's crazy talk. John chapter 6. No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. So you know what he does? I'll tell you exactly what he does. He creates a sunset. Or a blue sky. Did anyone yesterday, I'm just curious, did anyone yesterday, did you just look up and go, Karen and I did. We just said, wow. I don't know if I've ever seen the sky that blue. That color, that, that vibrant. It's, wow. It was literally, it was amazing. Or maybe like me this morning, I was up early, you know. I mean, about 4.45. And so I'm out and I got the dog. She's doing her business. And she's over there and I'm, I'm just, I looked up at the sky and I was blown away by how clear of a morning it was. I mean, the stars, I mean, they were like popping in the sky. And then I looked at the moon. You know what I noticed? I noticed this because I look almost every single morning, and I can tell you whether it's a cloudy day or whether it's clear. And then I can tell you that based on the time of year, it depends on where the moon is hanging in the sky. And I remember thinking this morning, uh, specifically, I remember thinking, you know what? A few months ago, it was a little bit higher, and it was over here, and now this morning. And you know why God does that? God does every bit of that to blanket us every single day with the invitation that I'm here. I'm right here. Here I am. And you're not in church. And you think you're minding your own business. And I'm searching for you. And I'm showing up 
in the most phenomenal ways. Just to say I'm here. Add to that this internal magnet, this, this internal draw to God. And then you'll understand what Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 means. He made everything beautiful in its time. And he also set, watch this, he set eternity in the, in the human heart. Wow. See, there, that's it. God created us. And then he set this thing inside of us that would long for him. See, at the end of the day, what we really want, what we desire the most, is God. It's a relationship with God. Some of us just aren't convinced that he's it yet. But that wasn't enough. That's pretty cool. That wasn't enough. So God, on the ultimate search, appeared in human flesh. So this isn't a game of hide and seek. Some of you think it is think that God's somehow hidden from you and you can't know who he is it's, it's, that's not it searching for him is not like looking for a needle in a theological haystack he's not hiding, he's, he's knowable so when Jesus came to earth some of us churchy people all we know is that he came to go to the cross and to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sin all that is true, I celebrate that with you but it's more than that it's more than the resurrection it's knowing that when you look at the life of Jesus if you want to know who God is look at Jesus if you want to know what God would do if he were here on planet earth now look at what Jesus did when he was on planet earth if you want to know how he loved if you want to know how merciful he was if you want to know what he put up with if you want to know what he was not very tolerant of just look at the life of Jesus I wrote this. I gotta, I gotta read this because this is the one thing that's radically changed my life for the last maybe fifteen years. I'll tell you what he wants to know. He wants you to know that you're the object of his affection, created in his image, made by him and for him. It's not what you do for God. Stop it. You're not. How are you going to impress God? There's a, there's a verse I read every day out of Romans. Like, who, in the, who are we to think we could possibly repay God? Who in the world could counsel God? And other passages that I read every single morning. I don't, I don't, God doesn't owe me anything. I can't counsel with God. And yet that God seeks a relationship with me. It's mind-blowing. I'm telling you. And that he loves me. He loves me. And he's, he's proud of me. Still, hard for me to say. He's proud of me. My daughter reminds me, Dad, God, he's proud of you. And then I get the opportunity to look at people sometimes. We have some phenomenal people. I'm looking at him right now, and I go, oh, my gosh, he's so pleased with you. You represent him so well. When people look at you, they see him. And I love this verse. I love this verse. I'll tell you why I love this verse. Let me read the verse first. Acts 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not. Uh-oh. He doesn't live in temples made by human hands. What? So what's my point? My, my point is that God doesn't live here. He doesn't live here. I would, that's why I can't, how many of you were raised that you've got to be careful when you go to church? You can't talk. Don't holler in church. The preacher can holler, but nobody else, right? How many of you, how many of you were raised to believe if you run in church, you're going straight to hell? 
Why? Because you got to be reverent. Because Jesus lives there. And as a kid, I used to think, well, he must not be able to hear very good. Worship is not a church thing. That's where some of you are missing the boat because it's just a church thing for you. It's, it's the only time that you engage in worship. And that's why you can be so offended when we don't do your style, when we don't do your song, when, when it's not done the way you want it, if it's not long enough, or whatever the thing might be that gets your goat. It's because, bless your heart, it's the only time you worship. I guess you should be offended that we miss your bat. Long story. Actually, God lives, he doesn't live in the church, he lives in the heart of believers, followers of Jesus. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, you not know that your bodies, wow, man, that's amazing. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. As followers of Jesus, we house the Holy Spirit of God. Is that, is that not just right now really rock you? I mean, you just think, what? Like, what? I mean, like, yeah, this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so like, he li- he's within me. He's with me. So listen, worship should flow from the inside out. I can't help it. It's what I do. And so, yeah, when a, when a worship song, man, listen, the, the, the message of that song gets me. I do. I cry every time. I'm just a blubbering idiot sometimes. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it moves me. Or, come on, I'm not the only one. It moves you. It does something, and you feel it deep down inside, right? And it just wells within you, and then it just, it just spills out on the people that are around you. It probably wasn't the best expression, was it? <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. So have you been keeping up? Worship uh, style isn't the issue. What or who we worship is the issue. Worship should matter to you because that's what you were geared to do. It's what you were born to do. It's what you were created to do. It, it, you can't help it. You can't stop it. You can't live without it. You were created to worship. That's why you and I are going to spend our whole lives declaring worth to something, for something. Something is going to rise up to be valuable, and that's the thing. Let's make sure that what you declare your love to your loyalty to, your money to, your affection to. Make sure it's worthy in the long run. Worship matters because every day there's a battle for your worship. There's a battle every day for the throne at the end of that trail for you. There's a war raging for our worship, and it's been that way since the very beginning of time when when Satan himself, who was... The worship leader in heaven decided that all of this adoration had to go from somebody else besides God. He thought he was the most important, and like lightning, he fell from heaven because he wanted to sit on the throne. So what does he do today? How does he advance his rebellion against God today? Well, by contesting his supremacy throughout the earth, tempting us to exchange the truth of God for a lie and to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. His plan is to distract you. It's to throw you off. It's to have us arguing over stupid things like style of worship. It ain't about style. Did you get that part yet? 
It's not about style. It's about the object of our worship. So let me ask you, follower of Jesus, let me ask you. At the end of the trail for you, what's what's at the end? At the end of the trail of your affection, of your time, of your money, what's sitting on the throne? Who's sitting on the throne? And maybe you walked in feeling really good about yourself. You're here to worship. And maybe, just maybe, somehow, it's got to be a God moment. I'm not that good. But maybe the Holy Spirit has just spoken to you and said, you know what, I'm not on the throne. And if that's you, like right now, would you just like maybe bow your head and say, God, I'm sorry. I've missed the heart of worship. I thought it was about style. I thought it was about a certain song. I thought it was just about music. And I realized this morning that it's not. It's a lifestyle. And it happens every day, not during the worship hour on Sunday. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'll ask you the same question. Who or what sits on the throne of your life at the end of the trail of of your time and your affection and your energy and your money and your loyalty, what's there? Maybe the bigger question is this. Is that thing or person or whatever it is, is it worthy of your worship? Maybe the better question is, is there a payoff? Because honestly, if there's a payoff for you right now, I got nothing to offer. If you would say, you know what, I worship me. And at the end of the day, I got to be honest, it's been paying off pretty sweet. I'm happy. I'm content. But the truth of it is, is there's some of you this morning, you went, wow, you're right. I've been on a search. I have been searching. And I have to confess that the thing that sits on the throne of my life, there's no payoff. I'm like those people in Athens. I'm just, I need to worship an unknown God. I'm still searching. I'm still on the search. Maybe this morning you've realized, you know what? So God loves me crazy about you. And listen, just so you know, it's not just some words in a book that we call the Bible. No, it's it's, it's recorded in history. The historical Jesus. Oh, he lived. This is not some fairy tale that somebody made up. And it is recorded that they put him on a cross and crucified him. And they never found the body. You know why? Because he was resurrected on the third day. That's why. And we're pretty smart, don't you think? We can put a man on the moon. Hey, we're headed to Mars. We can't find one dead Jew. That probably didn't come out great either. Are you with me? Because he's alive. He's alive. He wants a relationship with you. That's the point. He wants a relationship with you. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe for you, spiritually, the lights have just come on. You've said, you know what? This thing, this who, it's not paying off. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. That's you. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. No one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, then maybe you just pray a prayer or something like this. Lord, this morning, by faith, I, I believe in you. I confess that, Lord, other things have been sitting on the throne of my life, and there has not been a payoff. I'm just as miserable in my search today as I've ever been. I'm not content. And I'm ready this morning to surrender my life to you. I want to put you on the throne. And it'll be hard. 
And, and you'll have to just be patient with me and work with me every day and teach me all about surrender and what that looks like. But I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to be my Savior. And from this day forward, I just want to follow you. For the rest of my life, I just want to follow you. Lord, uh, what a day. Lord, we have fought stuff today. Battles, Lord. Nobody even in this room knows about, Lord. Technical stuff that's drove us nuts. That's challenged us, that's pushed us. I guess at the end of the day, Lord, the sweetest thing is, is it really doesn't matter about all that stuff. It just matters that people experience you. And today I believe that they have. Lives have been changed because of you. Not because of a video or a song. Or it's all been about you, Lord. Those things were just used to draw people to you. So, Lord, we do worship you. We honor you. We stand in awe of who you are. And, Lord, I'm, you, you know me, Lord. Man, I, I want you to be on the throne. But some days, God, I just got to be honest. Some days, Lord, I have to look back and realize it wasn't you. I put me back up there. Lord, forgive me. Help me get it right. I do want to reflect, Lord, you to these people. God, it's been an incredible week. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Candy Dash. <laughs> Sounds crazy. I'm so thankful, God, for an incredible staff that worked so hard to make it happen. Lord, they get it. They understand what we're about. And that's to be a church that gives. God, I thank you for it. And I thank you, Lord, for the volunteers that were willing to be led. That did such a phenomenal job of reflecting you to this community. That may have been a little thing for a lot of people, but it was a big deal to me. And I'm grateful. I love you. In your sweet name I pray. Amen.